0: Welcome to the BlueAdapt podcast, which is about Finnish lakes, seas and rivers. In this podcast, we discuss the challenges and opportunities of a sustainable blue economy. My name is Mikael Soker. Warm welcome. As you might have noticed, uh, today uh, we will be talking in English for the first time. And our topic today is going to be blue bioeconomies. We've been talking about sustainable uh, blue economies in almost all of our Uh, episodes but today we will be looking at something which is really really interesting and super important which is algae development we will be looking at it especially from policy uh, perspective and how do algae and algae related policies influence local communities i'm really excited for this one i hope you are too Once again, I'm really happy that it's not going to be only me myself talking here about algae and algae development and policies, but instead I have at this time exceptionally four different uh, experts on this topic. Let's get them acquainted. Jani Lukkarinen, you're a researcher at the Finnish Environment Institute on the societal aspects of energy transitions and energy systems. You are also a member of the Blue Adapt project and consortium. Warm welcome, Jani, What is actually blue bioeconomy?
1: Thank you, Mikael. I I think I have a bit different uh, understanding of blue bioeconomy as many of the earlier people here in this this podcast. Since I, I'm thinking blue bioeconomy as something how we keep our nature intact and and take care of our mess. It's not economy only as production, but it's, it's also finding ways how to restore the environment and, and find values in living nature.
0: Excellent. Really interesting. And this just brings up the uh, the diversity in our thinking within the project as well. Good to have you here, Yani I've been looking forward to having you as a guest. Next up, we have Moritz Albrecht, who is a human geographer specialized in environmental and sustainability governance. Moritz works in the Department of Geographical and Historical Studies at the University of Eastern Finland. Together with Jani, uh, he has recently published a paper called Blue Bioeconomy Localities at the Margins, Reconnecting Norwegian Seaweed Farming and Finnish Small-Scale Lake Fisheries with Blue Policies. Really interesting and looking forward to hearing more about this paper as well. But Moritz, tell me. How did you become interested in blue bioeconomics?
2: Thank you, Miguel, for the introduction. Um, yes, how did I become interested in blue bioeconomics? Actually, I mainly started off in the rather same field than Yanni, renewable energy, and more or less switched towards bioeconomy, it's such which after several years from the finnish perspective to be honest started to be a bit the same business as usual approach in the large-scale forest industries that i thought isn't there something more to it something more innovative something more interesting and actually that was when i more or less stumbled across blue bioeconomy um, which i then pretty fast figured out that this is something i find very interesting and also particularly because I think it offers so many possibilities to solve recent challenges, but also to allow a bit more localized um, and more real sustainable way, which is quite necessary for our societal transformation,
0: in my opinion. Super interesting. Good to have you here. Welcome. Next up, we have Christian Spilling who is a senior researcher at the Finnish Environment Institute, where he concentrates on the effect of microscopic algae, also known as phytoplankton, and the effect these have on the marine carbon cycle. Christian is also a member of the Blue Adapt project and has worked in several different projects dealing with commercial use of algae for bioenergy production and cultivation of seaweed. Uh, Welcome, Christian. I've been looking forward to having you in the podcast as well. I think that uh, until now it has become evident that we really need to know what are the uses of algae. So could you tell a little bit about that?
3: Thank you, Mikael. Um, Algae are used for a lot of uh, things in everyday products, Um, something you probably don't know and realize yourself. Um, So... Uh, a lot of seaweed is harvested and and used um, as a thickener that is used both for foodstuffs um, and also in uh, certain industries like like textile printing, for example. But in terms of foodstuff, you can find it in everything from from ice cream to toothpaste. Also, um, everything where you need to have uh, have a thickener uh, in in the product, uh, it can be used. And uh, and it's a it's a Uh, used extensively in a lot of different
0: products. That's really interesting. Um, So basically, a lot of us are using algae without knowing about it, right? Yeah. And of course,
3: there are a growing interest in... uh, uh, new exotic food things as well. Uh, so you would find your in a local supermarket you would find a nori algae for, for making sushi for example. Um, and there are more of these kind of direct uh, direct products where you actually consume the algae itself.
0: Interesting. Uh, looking forward to digging a little bit deeper on this because for me at least uh, algae mainly brings to my mind the nuisances uh, in the end of the summer, summer when we have uh, kind of uh, challenges in swimming in the sea due to due to the algae uh, blooms in the, in the Baltic Sea.
3: Yeah, the algal blooms in the summer is of course uh, one of the things that are on, on people's mind, especially in the summer when the wa- weather is warm and, and uh, the bathing temperature is, is nice. Um, but you can also consider algae as is very important for our living here um, as they produce actually half the oxygen globally. Every second breath you take is, is actually coming from algae uh, in the ocean.
0: Hmm, interesting. Let's see where we end up today. But good to have you, Christian, here. And fourthly, we have Anu Lahtemaki Uutela, who is a senior researcher at the Finnish Environment Institute and adjunct professor at the Faculty of Law at the University of Turku. She's particularly interested in the role of legal and regulatory tools in promoting innovation and systemic change and has recently published an article on the European legislation – on macroalgae products, super interesting and really good to have you, Anu, here. Could you tell us how is the government regulation and policy related to algae, or is
4: it? Of course, it is, Mikhail. In many ways, because if you cultivate algae, you need a license, and you need to plan where to where to cultivate it and where to harvest, and how are the rules and how are the environmental conditions locally and how that impacts impacts the local environment and then if you produce any products out of algae microalgae or macroalgae then then there are european level rules on food food additives feed and feed additives cosmetics and medicinal products uh, fertilizers biostimulants there are regulations on each of these so you need to follow the rules if you produce these And the rules can be innovative, innovation supporting or like too bureaucratic. If if there's a problem for uh, entrepreneurs, then we get a slower innovation pace, I think. And uh, government can do a lot, uh, both uh, in uh, raising the demand for these ASI products and um, helping the producers produce them. So production support and uh, demand support. Both ways are possible for policymakers.
0: Exactly. So, algae is food production, as you know, as any other form of
4: food production, or is it? Yeah, you can you can make food like um, very good ingredients in algae for food, uh, health, health enhancing ingredients, and also the production in the sea can be much more environment friendly than the land based food production. So compared to land-based agriculture, aquaculture can in, fut- in the future be a much uh, much more sustainable way to produce food.
0: Indeed, and in the big picture, uh, if you think of sustainable blue economy, this is one of those reasons that it matters and why we are discussing this topic today. Warm welcome Anu, good to have you here with us today. Right, what a great bunch of people with us here in the podcast today and what a topic indeed. Before we go uh, deeper into the specifics and the details, let me just once again ask you that could you specify and help me understand a little bit better that what is the significance of algae? Why are we talking about it? Why should we be concerned about it? I know you said something already on this, but let me know better (laughs) who would like to start. Maybe Yanni, could you start with this?
1: Okay, I will go first, and and I, I think I will give two points which are related to each other here here and uh, and I think algae is important, especially now in terms of uh, coping with climate crisis. We can we can use the algae algae as a way of uh, carbon sequestration and 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 capturing the carbon from the atmosphere since since algae is growing very nicely in in. Good conditions, it can double its weight in four hours. It's, it's biomass, and, and then then uh, take carbon out of the oc- atmosphere, and, and as Christian said, <laughs> bring some o- oxygen in place. So, so it's a nice nice dynamics that can work work in our benefit. And the other thing is the e- eutrophication problem, and especially the Baltic Sea, which is now. Uh, struggling, struggling with lots of nutrients coming coming in and 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 having having this historical load of nutrients in there. So I think algae could be part of that solution of of harvesting some of the nutrients out of the out of the sea. Now, maybe in some Finnish lakes as well, there are, there is potential for that that and and it needs to be reconsidered how it how it can be. Uh, enhanced in the future and i think we will get deeper in that in this episode
0: great so co2 sink carbon emission sink and then we do have the nutrient problem which i was referring to with the uh, with the algae blooms in late summer which is one of those uh, most kind of tangible ways it is uh, manifested in my life for example christian moritz anu what more
2: Yes, maybe I could straight add to what actually Yanni said in terms of the eutrophication. So the nutrients in there, for example, the Baltic Sea, because there it has kind of a double benefit because a lot of the yeah, eutrophication, the too much nutrients. They also derive from land-based agriculture, actually, for food production. And there we come into algae as a food product, um, which actually is a zero input um Food product. So compared to um, farming um, or cattle raising or, or animal raising, um, algae is a time of kind of yeah, mariculture which doesn't require this and parallel takes it out. So it has a double benefit um, in terms of food production. And I think when we consider from a global perspective uh, and also in relation, for example, to the sustainable development goals, which is zero hunger. For instance, this is very important, I think, Um, in addition with this environmental remediation or cleaning up uh, potential, which, of course, still has a lot of challenges within how it works. But this is, I think, an important aspect where we should look at it.
0: That's a really, really important point, Moritz. Um, And a triple maybe uh, to add something is that um, besides those things, uh, nobody has to die. (laughs) if you if you consider animal farming and eating animals for food that is one of those benefits that algae might have as well anu christian have we covered it
4: there's also the consumer perspective and marketing perspective and branding potential for new and innovative and creative products for consumers like for restaurants and for public kitchens and for food companies and consumers are always interested in novelties and there's a could promise in these ingredients for superfood, health foods, and also as a normal food. So in many possible ways to use it as food, but also maybe medicinal products, herbal medicine.
0: Excellent points. Thank you, Anu. Christian.
3: Yeah, I can maybe, well, as the biologist here, I can maybe <laughs> also add a little bit information about algae that um, that can basically be, be divided into two different groups, um, microalgae, which, which basically are single cells that are floating around in the water. And macroalgae, or also often called seaweed, which is the algae that grows along the coast, uh, that either as, as uh, small filaments or, or actually like you could see um, brown algae like fucus for example, uh, that you find in the Baltic Sea, uh, kind of branching out uh, with these characteristic small bladders on the, in the tips. They are of course cultivated a little bit differently. So for the microalgae, the single-celled, uh, when you cultivate those, you need to go uh, in some kind of closed confinement uh, and cultivate them on, on land typically. For the seaweed, those are the ones that maybe can bring some direct benefits uh, in terms of taking up the nutrients uh, directly out of the sea. If you cultivate them on, on, uh, typically on lines that you put out uh, in the sea, and um, you know, considering agriculture, this is something we 've done for for millennia. Uh, aquaculture, on the other hand is is you know a few decades old and when we think of aquaculture, uh, typically you think of fish fish uh, cultivation uh, Norwegian salmon, for example um, but there is a huge potential of offsetting this um, emissions that the fish aquaculture has, and also take up uh, additional nutrients that come uh, from runoff from agriculture, for example, into the Baltic Sea. So there's a huge potential of of
0: advancing and uh, and, uh, cultivating algae in different kinds. Really good addition. Thank you, Christian. Anu, was there still something that was left unsaid? Uh,
4: Also in Finland, it seems the fish aquaculture companies are interested in macroalgae, Not maybe just because of macroalgae, but because they could grow more fish if they also cultivated a lot of algae. They could offset the nutrients by doing this. But I don't know. Let's see how that works out.
0: So to me, it sounds like this has a really strong potential uh, for a lot of reasons that you were saying. Climate reasons, nutrient reasons, ethical food, superfood. It's about the trendiest things today. But for some reason, it has not maybe uh, breakthrough yet. And a big reason to that, I suppose, is that uh, we might have some gaps and challenges in tackling this issue and getting the full potential out of it in terms of policy. Because policy is one way to to strengthen uh, the production of algae and and untap its potential. So, what are all those policies that that we should be concerned, and what are relevant to algae production?
4: Really broadly, a lot of different policies are relevant for algae production because all that all policy that impacts food production in general will also impact algae production, or any policy related to food consumption will also impact algae consumption. And and this this way, all the agricultural subsidies even will impact. In comparison to algae production, we have subsidies for uh, different fields of food production. And they can distort the markets in favor of less sustainable products compared to algae. And then there are, consumer consumption taxes even uh, value-added tax can impact the public procurement policies can impact of course innovation policy innovation support and research and development funding will impact LG uh, business and growth growth of that but uh, perhaps even the main main issue is the licensing and how how difficult it's a licensed uh, cultivation license in different countries because the governments don't even know which which ministry uh, they they have ag- agri- aquaculture laws and ministries and um, authorities, but there are many, and it, in many countries, it takes a lot of time to discuss with authorities about uh, which permit is required.
2: I was actually thinking I I might want to go a, a step back from from what you actually raised now because first we can start on the policy strategic level, and there actually algae is more or less in the EU field, but also in many nations, uh, Norway being one example, we have on the one side, we have blue growth politics mostly, or blue blue economies, which are wider thing, everything related to marine. So that includes even in theory, uh, oil platforms or something, or marine mobility in infrastructure. But then we have also the bioeconomy which is the other large field. And for both of these, we have strategies at the European level. Um, The blue bioeconomy currently is undergoing its, let's say it's kind of the the hot topic, I would say, in European Union bioeconomy debate. There is no strategy yet, but it's under um, preparation. So this is also actually, it's another reason why we really should be Thinking and talking about algae and about these issues because now is the time where the direction and the pathways for algae production, but the blue bioeconomy in particular, a sustainable blue bioeconomy are shaped politically. So, right now, this blue bioeconomy strategy is in the preparation revision phase on the EU level. And I think these are very important because these are then going down to the member states, which then have certain. possibilities to implement this within their policies and then we're coming to exactly what anu said that right now this is still quite a mess i would say um, in many countries so on the top level it is a very hot topic but um, it is not finished at all i mean there is no real binding instruments there are reports they have just come out again it algae has been very much highlighted in the latest um, bioeconomy report from the european commission which is more or less brand new end of last year um, there were several chapters particularly highlighting algae the potentials the possibilities what that means for european bioeconomy so there is kind of the need um, the wish to do something but it's not yet really formulated
0: so does that then um, mean that we do not actually in the European Union, nor in Finland, or maybe in other European or other countries in the world, we do not have actually even goals related to algae and its role in the future? Or am I mistaken?
1: Actually, I was I was checking these strategies back when preparing for this this uh, podcast. And, and I found out that in the Finnish development plan for bioeconomy that is from from, for blue bioeconomy, that is from 2016, there is seven mentionings of algae and 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 pretty nicely formulated kind of uh, niche niche for algae. But that discussion is also pretty much related to actually energy production and potential of of especially microalgae that Christian defined defined as as a source for new new bio eco, bioenergy products, which which we didn't actually come up with as one of the benefits since. Um, since that's that's been there there for ages, but there are some uh, technical development issues why that hasn't really taken off yet. But when when moved from that development pro- program to actual research agenda in Finland, it, there were only two two kind of minor mentionings mentionings of of algae uh, algae ALG in that. So it wasn't implemented as, as figured out. And on the European level, as, as Moritz mentioned this last year's report, it has 85 mentionings of, of algae. But actually, going back to this earlier blue growth and blue economy reports, there might be single mentioning, if if even that. So it's really new new also on this European strategy level. level, And, and that, when it kind of picks up, it will necessitate also the countries to figure out their strategies and one more number to finish this (laughs) this speech is that actually 98 percent of all algae production in in world is is produced in asia so that last two percent is what europe europe is part of part of so that that's really telling how in the starting points we still are in this business
0: that's really really interesting (laughs) Uh, not in a way really surprising that 98% comes from Asia but nevertheless I think there is a lot of space for, for Europe to, to fill in I guess so I think it's, it's somehow evident that uh, that there is some sort of a strategic need um, for uh, related to algae there is some sort of a, a need to renew and tackle this whole thing grasp the whole thing if you will in terms of policies, but is there something that you'd like to still add related to the current policies? What are the challenges related to to um, algae and and policies within the scope of blue economy?
2: I might think one one issue which at least we and I, I think we encountered a bit when we were, for example, also writing this um, paper you mentioned before together with Yanni was also that. Um, Right now, a lot of these policies, which actually are potentially for producing algae, and as it was said, algae is, can be done in salt as fresh water, um, is that specifically on the European level, a lot of these economic aim policies, they, they are separated. It's either the blue growth, marine focus policies, or then the bioeconomy, which actually has no very well set level for for marine environments and since the blue bioeconomy generally encompasses both, this already brings up I think some challenges uh, at least to my understanding and the other thing is that what I with my research with um, algae farmers or seaweed farmers now I have to say macroalgae a lot of them were actually pointing out that that the whole algae farming is considered from a bit of wrong perspective in terms of policy because it shouldn't be considered as a, in this, so to say, marine aspects, same than fisheries aquaculture, but it should be more treated like an agricultural policy because it is not salmon farming or an animal farming. It is farming plants and even more sustainable in most cases, or probably in all cases. So so there are a lot of challenges, which is based on also what Christian said, that a lot of these things are rather new the way we do it now. They're not new themselves, but a lot of innovation we want to put out now are new, are new for the legal system, are new for our political support system. And this brings a lot of challenges along, which I think also is visible in this... Um, issues which Anu said in terms of the national policies and support systems and subsidies that they don't even know which ministry things should go to. Um, so that's just one, one, one thing. I mean, there are aims, but they are very assumptive right now. Um, they are based on some things which we know, for example, biologically or so can work. But if that works, then in society, this is, we, we have to see that actually still. Yes, I don't know if Christian
3: wants to add something <laughs> there. Thanks, Moritz. Uh, well, I can just add that uh, I think um, one, one of the big problems, um, and also the, 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 the great thing about being here and talking about this, or the, so one of the big problems is that uh, people uh, tend not to understand what, what actually are the benefits of, of cultivating algae um, and sort of put it into the box of uh, fish uh, aquaculture, for example, um, or in in case of um, putting out some uh, 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 commercial cultivation of of, of seaweed, uh, we we can go for example to Sweden, where there is cultivation on the on the west coast. They had the problem of. Um, of the licensing uh, to be able to do that. So the, the law when they started was that they had to go through the same procedure as, uh, as making a big harbor, for example, or some structure uh, structural changes to the, to the coastline where, where you have to uh, go through a much more tedious and rigorous um, uh, licensing uh, process. Uh, and that of course takes a lot of time, time and energy and effort.
0: So you've talked a lot about the challenges, although of course about the potential as well. But let's visit the question of uh, where the successes related to policies in in um, related to algae and blue economy have been. What are those successes? Are there any actually?
4: I can say something about the licensing. Like there are significant differences between countries. Like in some countries, it can take five years to get a license for cultivation. And in some countries, there is no requirements for license for aquaculture at all. And still, there are regulations. So each country will decide, even though the European law, environmental law is the same in all EU countries, each member state, also no, Norway, Iceland, will decide on their own how to regulate and how to plan the process so that both parties, the applicant and the authorities will have a efficient negotiations and uh, good rules for this licensing and uh, as regards food law, well there's the novel food regulation and for some, some species it's uh, clear rules For for some species it's not yet clear because all the species have not been evalu- evaluated whether they are novel or not and this novel food is a common thing with all innovative foods. Always when it's not uh, produ- uh, consumed in Europe before '97, then you have to have a novel food authorization. And that's the challenge. For some for some species it's a challenge. and so for some species it's okay because we know there's a, not enough knowledge and consumption on, on this. So I don't know if that's a success or but there's a difference. So chlorella spirulina or fucus or saccharina, it's all the, like very different depending on species.
0: That, that's really interesting, actually. Um, but Anno, could you tell me if there is a, any say uh, urgency specific to a country or another? Because what I'm thinking here is that if there is really strong will and really strong urgency, all these permitting and licensing things can can happen, and move fast. Although the um, the regulation might be a little bit different. And what I'm thinking here, obviously, is the COVID-19 vaccination, because that has been moving. Forward, due to exceptional urgency, of course, uh, really fast. But is there some sort of urgency related to algae licensing in in some parts of the world that is not evident in others?
4: Sweden seems to be quite interested in developing the system so that a lot more companies would appear. But I don't think Finland is a Finland has any negative attitude or problem. Like Finland, Finland wants to do this smooth and Follow the rules, of course, and help the, help the business. Nothing against algae in Finland. Uh, I think authorities are interested in, in learning about it. It can be done really fast. If you want to have a lot of algae cultivated and a lot of algae consumed, we can change the system really fast like we saw with COVID. Uh, anything can change. All the ways produ- of produ- production and consumption can change really fast.
0: Excellent. That's always really, really good to hear. Um, Moritz. How about you?
2: I agree with Anu, but one also has to consider always in this regard that this is still, uh, specifically if we do talk about farming, about farming seaweed, while it requires far less space than uh, comparable on-land agriculture, it still requires space and meaning that the moment it requires space uh, in a certain area, it also comes along with use conflicts. And this would be if we look at Finland, but actually also on most of the other places, um, this would be recreational fishing. This would be recreational boating. It would be normal uh, boat transport, lanes, ferryways, energy production, wind parks, even though there's quite some potential seemingly that they actually can be combined. Um, but these are always things that we have to consider um, on the planning side um, to. Fasten up things. So I I don't really think it can just be fastened up because this will create very sure conflicts and might be actually counterproductive. On the other side, this is a a product. It's a product which is in competition eventually to other products. So when we look at the national, at the EU level, there is going to be also certain lobbyism always on the way which actually is going to, either go against it, while there's also at the same time some which goes for it. So a very fast transition, I consider rather unrealistic. Or if we do it, it runs the risk that it will create conflicts and actually counter be counterproductive. So that's just a, a warning on this going too fast, actually.
0: And this is really interesting in, in many ways. I think that, um, that these types of... Um conflicts related to to spatial uh, issues related to environmental policy have been evident in Finland but all around the world Uh, something that comes to my mind is related to actually what you were saying Moritz, about wind uh, windmills especially in the far north in Finland where there's been a quite evident conflict between Sami people and the wind parks uh, which is it is a really good point. Anu did you have something you wanted to still add
4: here? Well, I agree with Morris that the planning, planning perspective is important and it's a bit slow and developing all the marine spatial plans and and all. And uh, also there's a difference between countries in how much space there is, how much shipping and how much win- windmills. And in Germany, I think even more problems than in Finland with the, with the conflicts.
0: Good. Um, still coming back to, to my original question, which was on the successes. Um, so... Is it so that we have actually quite a strong political will at the moment, or does it just seem so in the European level uh, or outside the EU?
1: This political will is now building. So, so European, uh, this current green growth program is, is building basis for also reconsidering how we produce our food and what's uh, what are the environmental costs of our our food system, and how do we also measure measure the value of environment in this food system? So that's that's coming, and I think it's coming strongly and 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 stronger and stronger in the coming years. And I think this this goes also back to two su- successes uh, which you were asking that and, and one is related to the market end to the consumer market end and and this algae products and algae production has had some sort of a stigma. Uh, I at least experienced how people used to laugh at eating sushi still (laughs) not so in distant distant past, and and that has been changing and, and, and people have been learning to eat maybe different kinds of things. Maybe it's not all over the place but Food doesn't have to necessarily be hamburgers or sausages or sausage-like products, but it can be something else. Uh, at least that's my hope, hope and kind of uh, diagnosis there. And the second thing is related to the innovation policies. And, and now that innovation funding is maybe directed more wisely, is that these, especially talking of microalgae now, it's it's not necessarily just a single innovation, but these are, Combinations of innovations, kind of systemic innovations that go over different different sectors, where you have to have to really think through uh, not only only maybe some uh, microchemical <laughs> and microbiological settings, but also also think of uh, water water systems and and think of energy energy cycles and and uh, and bring bring all sorts of elements together, and and we have been. Fl- very low in this sort of innovation but it's maybe coming together now and we are realizing that it needs this sort of combinations of technologies and maybe we are now <laughs> moving there.
4: We have quite a strong uh, strategic will towards circular economy now in Finland also and in Europe and in circular economy often there are different sectors needed like somebody produces bio bio waste or some, somebody upcycles up that into something else and and energy is produced from the rest of it. And so sectors need to think broadly.
0: We have laid out some of the challenges. We have a little bit of a better understanding on what are the great successes at the moment uh, in algae policies. And we also, of course, started with uh, with, uh, laying out the possibilities and potential but let's zoom into Finland because that is Im- important for us, especially here. So what are the possibilities and potential for, for algae production here in Finland? And first of all, how is algae actually being used now in Finland?
3: So the potential um, is there. It's a little bit different considering the Baltic Sea because it has lower salinity than a uh, fully marine ocean but of course there are seaweed that grows along the coast not the typical ones that are used commercially at at present so if if you go to for example norway it's the the large uh, perennial brown algae that are are being cultivated uh, you don't find the same species here um but but there are different species there are the fucus uh, that grows which is um there are some pilot uh, pilot uh, uh, uh studies of of cultivating that uh both here in finland and also in in kiel um and then there are these faster growing green algae for example that could be a, a possibility one one of the let's say uh bottlenecks here is that there is no real tradition for using algae here so um there there has been very little studied of this um uh potential of cultivating this and and uh, and of course trying to get the economics of the whole thing would be also a very important part to, to get this uh, in place before you can actually uh, go out and uh, and start to cultivate the sea.
1: I think one thing Anu said in the beginning was this interest from fish aquaculture and, and fish farmers and and there is strong momentum now Finland is coming with new uh, programs this year to to kind of enhance the fish farming and and also also kind of uh, increase the volume there there and and that's something that should be utilized also for the for the seaweed farming especially and and maybe finding finding ways to combine combine these in multi-trophic aquaculture. <laughs> The algae and also the mussels are there. one option option, and, and really finding finding ways also in the governance to support this sort of combined production systems that, that's, that, that could kickstart the sector and bring new entrepreneurs to, to also maybe scale up the, these, these experiments a bit.
4: Yeah, we mentioned the name of company Origin by Ocean because they, they are planning this biorefinery and they would be willing to buy a lot of uh, algae material. And that is kind of a good signal for those who are considering to produce something, cultivate algae, if there is a, a kind of promise of a market. But I don't think it's that far-fetched that uh, Finnish consumers would also eat, eat algae because many eat this, athletes eat this spirulina powder and it so, sounds healthy for most people, I think. And in cosmetics, it also sound, sounds healthy. And if they, the consumers learn learn that it's in many products anyway as ingredient like thickener and it's safe and safe and healthy healthy so there's no hindrance in changing consumer habits
0: Moritz I'd like to ask something related to this from you uh, which is actually um, related to the paper uh, and and the, the studies you've been uh, working on because I uh, as far as I'm concerned um, Seaweed and algae is another part of the Norwegian uh, food culture as well, and that is the case for Finland too, although we might eat it without actually knowing that we eat it, or, or at least it's, it's fair to say that it's in the margins of, of food culture here in Finland. And secondly, then something related to the spatial uh, aspect. So that would be really interesting to hear. Uh, you mentioned this before already related to um, there being uh, tensions and struggles uh, related to space, space and, and, and how does it look like in, in the water. So could you tell about these struggles and the, the study a little bit more from, from the Norwegian perspective that you've been focusing on?
2: many questions <laughs> hard to answer all of them um so maybe first about the food culture um that is pretty much the same in norway despite um actually norway having a massive coastline which always had grow- while growing these different kind of algas and brown algae, they were used in animal feeding i mean they were even I'm not sure anymore, it was pigs and also sheep, which for some time of the year previously, they were fed more or less entirely on these brown algae from the coast, um, which is not done nowadays anymore. But in eating um, itself, there was not really a culture, and that requires nowadays, specifically since um, almost all Norwegian farms, which do which are not science projects but which run on themselves they produce for food human food production because that's uh, the only way to get a quick turnaround right now or mostly. So for them their point is that there is no food market so they have to create it from scratch and um, there we're coming back to what Christian said that it's it's right now this is a bit of a se- special food So on the one hand organic health related sustainable, food which then in the countryside hasn't such a big market that you can live from that so you need to go to the towns or you need to go to markets which are particularly germany as a very organic food market um, but that also requires a lot of skills from each farmer or energy to even do that so that's maybe about the food culture and i think that would be in finland rather the same um that the market in the countryside, if it is only considered an organic, health, sustainable food, that's not going to make you margins. So you're not going to be able to live on this. Um, and I realized this myself I, because I normally I try to taste this stuff I'm researching about. And in the end, it turned out that now I cannot travel. So before I ate it straight at the farm or tried. But now when I have phone interviews, I, I try to order this food from somewhere. And in the end, I ended always up more or less to order it from Germany, from some special algae internet shops or something like this, because in Finland, you just can't get the this, this food. So this is maybe about the food. So it's really still in the very infant stage. Um, also, if someone talks about upscaling for the food, there is no need to upscale because there is no market yet um, so far. About the spatial things, then... I mean, what I mentioned before is one problem, the planning conflicts. But um, then, for example, where I see a bit now coming back to these Finnish possibilities and what Janni said, this um, integrated, multitrophic aquaculture, um, there is a bit the issue that farming itself is very demanding and is recently, it's not solved. These challenges are not solved. So if you straight throw in these farmers into an integrated, multi-trophic aquaculture, so combined with fish farms, with other things, you just add a lot of layers of more complexity and more risk to failure actually on it. So this is also a bit of a a risk game because, I mean, I've also had very many critical voices on this um, integrated or on these mixed aquaculture systems that in terms of practical feasibility that kind of then you can't go with a boat decent anymore Um, if there's a bit of wind you will crash into your algae farm if it's next to your fish farm or something then that the particle size from the um, aquaculture actually is not the correct one which the algae takes up so in the end it ends up just a mathematical game of nutrition uptake and, and decay from a fish farm which is okay, I mean, in in the overall way, but the local pollution problem maybe not may not be solved. So this is it's extremely complicated, and that's why I also think that it's it's a bit risky. This specifically, it's upscaling um, policies without actually knowing how it works on small scale so far. So this is a, maybe the spatial context which I would like to stress as well, specifically if we're aiming for sustainability.
0: Yeah. Really interesting. And I guess that the um, uh, the um, kind of infant uh, technological status and the whole business and the, the sector being not too mature at, uh, yet is also connected to the fact that there is actually no demand, uh, especially here uh, on site. But then uh, once again, uh, the, uh, the tracks lead to Germany. So it, that might be a, an area where where um, uh, potential future algae farmers in Finland might be able to sell uh, before we have possibly an increase in demand here in Finland. What else is there related to the potential in Finland? We've been talking about food mainly here. Uh, How about other sectors?
3: Well, I can maybe comment very briefly about the potential for doing this environmental service of taking up the nutrients. So we have been running some very small pilot scale cultivation uh, at uh, Tvermina Zoological Station, which is uh, close to Hanko, um, where we simply put out uh, lines. So not traditionally you would cultivate seaweed by seeding the lines with the desired species. Uh, but in this case, we just put out the lines uh, to be able to see what was growing there and see how much biomass you actually were able to, to take up from the sea. And considering um, diffuse loading from agriculture, that's a few few kilos of, of nitrogen and phosphorus uh, per hectare of agriculture. Um, and in order to, to uh, compensate for that, you would need something like... Um, uh, 500 square meters of, of cultivation so that's just a uh, uh, order of magnitude <laughs> um how much of an area are you' talking about to compensate for one hectare of, of agriculture um, so that's one aspect uh, but there are of course many other ones that my fellow panelists here might comment on
1: yeah, I I also want to still still comment a bit bit here. Actually, Moritz, we really nicely framed out what I also meant of this upscaling. That upscaling from the laboratories to something closer closer to testing testing some some kind of uh, bigger scale related to the related to the aquaculture, not necessarily in the exact same sites. And these are the knowledge problems we have to have to cover in the future future. Further to in in to study study how this function in the Baltic Sea context. Of course, there is the ice problem also that that in the winter time the sea quite often still <laughs> freezes and and that creates other other obstacles also how to how to kind of manage these manage these uh, seaweed farms and, and 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 control it. So so I think I think I think the cover what, how this is a governance problem and and way of govern. Governance systems to to support it, it would be to create create exactly the frameworks where we we can create more knowledge and, and understanding how to combine these two different forms of production.
4: How do you feel about the land-based algae aquaculture in the tanks inside on land inside some storage house or uh, is there there potential in Finland for that instead of growing in the sea?
3: I think the potential for that would be for for producing directly for a restaurant or something like that. Uh, so so high value product. Uh, uh, and and there are some small companies, uh, at least one in Denmark, that has specialized on this, uh, that they, they produce the tank and can deliver very fresh uh, raw material for, for specialized restaurants.
2: Yes, I think also that the point is, again, the, the costs are massively higher if you put it on land, because then you have to given input. Um, you also have to, you have to build a structure, which with the farming, the structure is mainly boys, anchors and lines, ropes. Um, while if you build on land, you will use concrete. You will use all kinds of things, which again, then where are we going with this sustainability? If we, if we look at our current reports, they mostly show us that it should be less to produce more and more or less. So this is, of course, an issue. But I, I think also then in terms which algae, and therefore, sure, Christian knows, knows better. But the way I understood it is that for microalgae, which has certain really specific uses, and that would be far more higher value than food, there it could maybe function. or But I, I'm not an expert in this regard, I have to clearly say.
1: And I think here we go back to these uh, circular economy solutions and and finding actually those places factories where this sort of uh, uh, industrial symbiosis can can function function and and where it might be a, a free storage houses and excess energy available and, and and something like this that it's part of industrial industrial policy there also and spatial planning.
4: Yeah. Finding for each nutrient rich wastewater a use, either some microalgae or some insects or something. So nothing goes to waste really. But that's what the circular economy is about. Just have to find the most valuable use for each side stream and, and hopefully get a good business out of it. Good.
0: Um, I think we've, we've, gone through a variety of different topics related to algae. Um, I have learned a lot uh, and I'm 100% sure that the the potential listeners have learned a lot. So we've been talking about the CO2 side, the climate side, and the potential of algae in that. There is the nutrient side. Uh, There is the food uh, business, which we have concluded that there is a lot of potential, although there are some obstacles and challenges at the moment. In policy level, there seems to be goodwill and, and strong will towards this, but we still lack uh, comprehensive um, cross-sectoral strategies and policies for this. The uh, The technologies are still infant, uh, still developing, and we may be a little bit lack of um, demand here, here in Finland. But despite this whole uh, situation, I believe that uh, that we have some sort of an, an an interesting and potential way that we should uh, explore in the future. So algae, as we laid out in the beginning, algae has a lot of potential. So the question is what should happen next? We know that there is a lot of issues that we need to solve related to technological development, related to knowledge needs. We, of course, need more, more uh, studies and, and new research and to understand um, a lot of questions better than, than we have. But what would be your recommendations? What should happen next and who should do what?
2: Maybe one, one recommendation if we consider, if we want to push for more localized food systems... Um, is kind of that uh, a market is created, even though it's a bit difficult because there's, again, this chicken-egg problem, market, production. But if they would be interested from local consumers, and I mean, local, I mean, now, for example, in Finland or in Norway, a wider support also kind of in schools and so on, put it into school food, for instance, that's always a good thing, or learn with them with the children about what, this tastes like or in university cafeterias, this would kind of maybe make a spin-off that the interest is growing and that would make it more easy for local small-scale farmers or startups to start it on on a basis that they can make a living out of it and can produce this. Um, So I think it is really something very important to to create a market and also... um, Facilitate this this market a bit. Um, I mean, Anu knows can for sure say something about how complicated all these things is. Then there comes iodine labels, um, food charts. Um, then we go back to organic certification, which actually is another aspect. Which I was told from sometimes that actually the organic certification is based on on land agriculture. So it doesn't work or some things are a bit odd for the seaweed because it's not a it's not a field which you farm but it's a it's an ocean which flows through so these were some things i think they would be very helpful um, to do on the other hand i think we should be a bit cautious with this massive large-scale plans and aims in the policy which there is right now because while most probably there is potential for large-scale seawe use, uh, I think we have seen in the past, and I will come back to energy, bioenergy being a good example, how these big plans without thinking and without knowing really the consequences where they lead to. And I think when we see that the ocean has a lot of trouble already with microplastics and so on, and it is super important for us, we have to be to some degree, a bit cautious. So that's maybe my main message here.
0: Thank you, Moritz. Uh, Really good advices and recommendations. How about Anu? What would be your message to decision makers in Finland? And as Moritz quite well uh, suggested also in Brussels, where they are uh, thinking about this topic right now in February, 2021.
4: Uh, for Finland, for regions, for uh, for Satakunta region, for example, where I live, I would want to have a pilot projects where we both cultivate the algae and where we make products out of it. So we bring as researchers could bring biologists and business uh, scholars. Uh, researchers can bring the companies together, those that can cultivate and those that can buy the buy the algae, the restaurants and public kitchens and the consumers and have a. Dissemination of information in in the project, so we need this at the regional scale, I think. And then, and Bra- for Brussels, we need we need nutrient offsetting and rules uh, rules for this uh, uh, water quality framework directive and role of role of cultivation of algae for for these uh, perp- these purposes of cleaning the water like improving the status of the the water and also we need agricultural policy changes and and uh, not supporting well uh, we have already the good good uh, eu strategy for reducing the use of fertilizers and reducing the use of pesticides and that's a good good direction so we have to have a more sustainable food system in europe but I think the EU is trying to go to that, that direction, the circular economy also.
0: Thank you, Anu. Um, uh, from this, uh, it comes to my mind that uh, I happen to know that Yani Lukkarinen is uh, a specialist in, in a regional and area-specific transition paths for the research that you've been doing in the project uh, as well. So, Yani what would be your recommendations towards the decision making and policy planners at the moment
1: yes actually you are correct that we did did in transition arenas in blue adapt this regional uh, discussions on related to bioeconomy uh, blue bioeconomy and how to how to develop it there yeah, and i think i think many of the discussions actually fed back to the, the things we have been discussing here and and main kind of takeout message from that for me would be that, on the Finland scale, for the ministries to, to create these markets for the nutrient uptake, uptake and, and the, to enable that way development also of these region specific, specific businesses and region specific ways of, of uh, using the seaweed, seaweed in their areas. I think I think that's the main main thing, and it goes back also to this fish aquaculture, as mentioned before. In addition to that, I would like to also say that we should also try to avoid this this kind of algae bubble of of thinking it too much from the production end, and really really think about these environmental benefits from the from the kind of nurturing perspective, nurturing of the nature perspective.
0: Thank you, Yanni, and. Last but not least, Christian. What would be your message and recommendation and uh, suggestion for how to move forward in a brighter future which is more strongly incorporated by algae?
3: Well, <laughs> it's it's hard to come with very uh, concrete uh, uh, directions or recommendations here, but I would just uh, like to say that I I agree with what's already been been said here. Um, I think uh, it's important to to uh, let's say grow this um, organically and not do very massive changes, as Mola has pointed out, that that might not uh, work out the way way uh, as intended. And I see there is. Um, a lot of uh, commercial interest now maybe mostly outside of Finland but there are also companies here that are interested in this and I think this is the way to go to try to talk with them and see where are the hurdles for the small startup companies uh, what can be done in terms of policy to to help them to grow and, and expand uh, organically. Yeah.
0: Excellent I think that uh, all of these four directions or or are... Uh, even more than four that you've presented here are, are good good start and really valuable for for um, the decision makers not only in Finland but also uh, in the European Union level uh, to be taken into account final words Moritz
2: I would just like to add um, to this last scale because this is when your question about the um, regional development perspective, um it is very much highlighted in Blue Bio Economy Strategies uh, national papers that this again it provides potentials for coastal communities, for, uh, for communities close to water bodies, which in often also peripheral. So, and this is another aspect that, in terms of employment of added benefit for these areas, a smaller scale or smaller mid-scale also in terms of production, in terms of um, refining perspectives, is more beneficial than one large refinery. Actually, Finland with a forest-based bioeconomy shows this very nicely right now, that one big company doesn't bring that many employment than if you would have a lot of small ones which work for the local environment. The sustainability aspect of this as well, actually. Yeah. That was just another important message I find uh, when looking at this um, sector.
0: Good. Thank you. Um, really, really good. Uh, this was an excellent and really interesting uh, topic that I'm really happy that I was not talking about myself, but with excellent uh, four specialists from different fields. So, uh, Jani Lukkarinen, uh, Christian Spilling, uh, Moritz Albrecht and Anu lähtemäki uutela thank you so much for this episode and for sharing your wisdom with us and the podcast listeners